may be seated. You turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, it's great to see all of you here today. I uh, trust that as we come together, um, as we come around His Word, that you'll be encouraged today. Yesterday, uh, some of you know that uh, we had a, a service here, a memorial service for a young man uh, who passed away in a uh, car accident, or a motorcycle accident. Uh, he was 24 years old. And uh, the church was filled. Um, we had probably 220 people here in the sanctuary, and many of them were in their 20s. And uh, most of you here today aren't in your 20s. I didn't want to point that out, but um, uh, maybe you remember what it was like, or maybe you don't. But uh, the, the, the picture of uh, a 20-year-old uh, trying to get their head around one of their peers that's passed away uh, was difficult. It was uh, interesting to watch and to see uh, these young men and young women uh, come and grieve the loss of their friend. And for uh, one young man, uh, his brother and his brother's, wa- uh, brother's wife, them as a young couple, uh, mourning the loss of their dearest friend. And uh, it's one of those things, I know that uh, probably all of us have, probably experienced this, or, or we will at some time, is asking the question, um, w- what happens when it's the end of me, when, the end, when it's the end of my life? Or what happens when it's the end of time, the end of time? What happens? And, and what, uh, what is going to become of me? Uh, where will I go? What will I do? Uh, if you can picture with me, uh, we're in the book of uh, Thessalonians, and that was a city, a city that Paul had come to. He'd shared the gospel, and uh, some had responded, and they now had a new life, a new life in Christ. Their sins were forgiven. W- what a great thing that is, to have your sins forgiven in Jesus. And uh, for you here this morning, if you... That hasn't happened to you. That's first step, right? Um, the guilt of your sins, and we all know we're guilty, right? We like to think that we're good and perfect and righteous, and we like to think uh, that w- there's no guilt in us. We we try to find someone worse than us, right? Oh, knocked off my uh, my ear. Um, we we like to find people that are worse than us and say, "See, I'm not as bad as they are." Uh, but obviously, that's not the point. Uh, if we've sinned, we are a sinner. And uh, so, you know, it's like committing a crime makes you criminal. Like it, it, it shows who you are. It defines you. And we try to be slippery about that. And yet the guilt always comes back. The condemnation always comes back, even as we talked about, I think it was last week uh, from Romans 8. But you can imagine for that Thessalonian church, that that little church that they just come to know Christ, how great their life was and how exciting it was to know that their sins were forgiven. But the fact that their sins were forgiven still left them with uh, the big questions of life, even as uh, these 20 year olds, many of them yesterday considered what will happen to them. 
uh, what will happen to their life at the end of their life. I, I realize that most of us go, yeah, that's going to happen to me one day and it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be some other day in the future. And I want to tell you, um, this passage that we look at this morning uh, can be a great encouragement for you today, but it can also be the great comfort and confidence even as we consider the days of the future. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you chapter 4, verses 13 to the end of the chapter. God's word says this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. But this we declare declare to you by a word from the Lord, that he, uh, I'm sorry, that, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. May we gain great encouragement, great courage to face the days ahead uh, with confidence. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage and the next one uh, are talking about uh, reminding them to think about the things at the end. And... uh, I've titled the message uh, about the, the idea of the exit strategy, our perfect exit strategy. And uh, most of the time, we're not worried about tomorrow. We're just focused and stressed out about today. We're uh, thinking about things and we're dramatizing the events of the day and we're magnifying them to say, oh, it's super important what I'm doing today. Oh, no, this isn't happening. Oh, no, I'm late. Uh, some of you are not concerned about being late. But uh, uh, you're worried about the events of the day, and, and we see the events of the day as this huge critical thing, this thing that consumes us. And maybe because we uh, have a tough time thinking about the things of the end, uh, that we push those things off and we say, I, I don't have time to think about those. I'll think about those later. And yet, uh, to this To these young believers, this new church, Paul writes them something important that he knows that God wants them to know. A message from the Lord, and it's about uh, really the coming of the Lord and how that will affect them. We see uh, in verse 13 the antidote uh, for hopeless grieving. Now, when I say hopeless grieving... I want to tell you this, there are always sad things in life, and one of the greatest things is the loss of a loved one, the loss of a loved one. And if you've ever gone through that, 
um, it's unique. It's unique. It sets apart from all the other difficult things of this life because they're gone. They're gone. Uh, it, it's not reversible. It's not something that you can change. It, it's one event and then it'll never happen again, this person leaving. And so there's a sense of emptiness to that. There's a sense of, uh, of loss that's like no other. And for some of you, I'm describing something to you that you know in some ways better than I. A loss. And so there's grieving that goes on at the loss of a loved one or even some difficult thing. There, there's a sense of heartache to that. But Paul, as he writes about this, he says, I, I want you to not grieve as others do. Um, I don't know if you've been in a place where the gospel is not in your life or in the lives of the people around you. I don't know if you remember a day like that. And, and something difficult like that, a loss of a loved one happens. And you, you want to say it's going to get better. But those are empty words because there's nothing out there. It's over. And, and you want to say, um, it, yeah, we'll, we'll get them again next year. But there is no yet next year. And so there's this sense of hopeless grieving that comes. And Paul says, I don't want you to grieve like that. There's grief for every loss, but I don't want you to be involved in hopeless grieving. And he's going to give them this antidote, this one thing that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, he, he describes death, and it's interesting, he says, about those who sleep or have fallen asleep. Um, we, we think of sleeping, we think of the thing that we do at night or the thing that we do in church, you know, that, that we have fallen asleep, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. There's all kinds of things I could say about that. But um, uh, he d describes it as, as a sleep, and he's going to use this term again. And uh, it's, it's really a beautiful word to describe a difficult event. And it really is connected uh, to the fact that they know the gospel of Jesus Christ because they are believers it is now referred to by Paul as this beautiful, sweet thing of sleep, as opposed to this uh, ugly thing of death. Well, what's the difference? Uh, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He, he says, I, I want to educate you on what's happening next. I want you to know what happens next. And I want to tell you, there lies the confidence if you know what happens next, whether it be the end of your life or the end of time, if you know what happens next, if you know who controls what happens next, it makes all the difference in the world. It may, I mean, it, it, it can change your day uh, as well as uh, the days to come until these events happen. I want to tell you that um, if we struggle with our passing, if we struggle with the end of time, it's because we're uninformed. It, it, I don't want to say it's because just because we're uninformed. It's not that we don't know, but that the truth of that event or those events 
is not primary in our mind. I, I realize that all of us struggle uh, in the weakness of our mind and the, uh, our thoughts get away from us and take us down roads that are untrue and uh, they're not uh, what God has spoken. But what I'm saying is the answer for our wrong thoughts, the answer for our insecurities is found in the gospel, knowing that those events are secure. Uh, God has spoken regarding these things. That's the antidote for hopeless grieving, that we would be informed about what God has said. So we move to uh, verse 14, and, uh, and I just say, say it this way, what happens to the people who are in Christ? What happens to people who are in Christ? And, and it's very different. It's, it's, it's something that we can cling to. Um, in verse 14, it says this, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Once again, he uses that term falling asleep, falling asleep. It's interesting uh, in this passage, and I think it's an important point. Um, who died? Who died in this passage? Verse 14. Jesus died. And, and I'll say it this way. Jesus died an ugly death. Not just the death of hanging on the cross, but the punishment that he received, the separation from the Father, where he took upon uh, himself, he bore the sins of, uh, of those who would believe. He bore them. He, he was the one who took the punishment. That's an ugly death. And so it's interesting that Paul would connect that ugly death with now because we have trusted in Christ that we are asleep. <laughs> We just sleep. It's not uh, death is not this ugly thing anymore. It's it's a beautiful thing in sleep, and we can talk more about that. But we're going to miss the big picture here if we do. I want to point out to you, verse fourteen. Uh, he says, "For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel, right? Our belief in that, our trust in that, our uh, uh, taking that for our very own, our." trusting in Christ what he did on the cross what he did as he was risen from the dead this is what makes the difference it's the transformation change and for you or for me all the other things are secondary have you trusted in Christ uh, I hope you come here and, and lo love being with us I think we're a pretty fun crowd you know as far as crowds go you know uh, I like us, uh, but it, it's not just about being a part of us. But are your sins forgiven? Have you trusted in the one true gospel that Jesus was the one who paid it all, who conquered death and the resurrection? Trusting in that message changes everything. And what does it do? It brings about our own bodily resurrection. It, it, as you see this, he says, for since we believe, uh, because we've believed in this message that Jesus died and rose again, what's going to happen? God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That at this time, and he's going to go more into this uh, picture of the day of the Lord in, in the next chapter. But what he is talking about is the end of time. Uh, as he brings uh, the close of human history uh, together, 
He says what? He says God will bring those who have fallen asleep. He, he will bring them because based upon uh, their gospel change that they have trusted in Jesus. Paul says in verse 15, he says, For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. This is not a man-made message. And he says that we who are alive, who are left until, uh, until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And so he, he's starting to give us a few details that we would not be uninformed. Now, there's two groups of people here that are in view. Very important for us to get this. The first group are those who have trusted in Christ who have passed away. Okay? They've fallen asleep. Uh, it, that's the first group. The second group are those who are alive at the time of His coming. Okay? Those who have not fallen asleep but are in Christ. These are the two groups that uh, he is speaking about and he is seeking to inform them. And, and so you can imagine what that would be for the, uh, these believers in Thessalonica. They would be concerned about that. What if I die or what if uh, someone from our group of believers here dies? What happens to them? Or knowing that the Lord will come in the end of time, what will happen to me, but what will happen to them as well? How, how does this all come together? And so Paul's instructing them. Why? So that they would not be uninformed, but that they would not have hopeless grief, uh, either as they face the day or as they face a loss of a loved one. What is it? Uh, it's this, that those who are left uh, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. It, it's uh, an issue of priority. Um, he's concerned about those who are alive and those who have fallen asleep. Um, we don't precede those sleepers, okay? He's going to go on and talk about the coming of Christ. Verse 16, listen, listen to this. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. There will be events signaling this. Uh, there, th these events are found in uh, other scriptures as well. In Matthew, we've just gone over. Uh, we're going to talk more about these even as we go into Second Thessalonians. There's going to be more uh, details that are coming forth. But he says these, this event will not be this... Um, Subtle, I wonder if it happened. Uh, this will not be without, uh, without event. You will know. Uh, it will be marked. And what will be marked? Uh, that Jesus will descend. Uh, that He has gone away, but then He is going to come down again. He is going to return uh, for those who are His own. And really, to not just for those who are His own, but the idea of bringing to conclusion the things down here on earth. There will be a cry of command, a voice of the archangel, sound of trumpet. And what will happen first? It says this, the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay? Very important for us to see this. And maybe this is complicated for you. I, I want you to turn over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 a little bit more details or uh, understanding the separation uh, of the person of a person and their body. I realize that 
when we talk uh, uh, about people, um, we might we we're connected to their physical appearance, their their body. We we when we see them, we we say, "Oh, there they are." Um, but the person is separated from the body at death. Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter five, it starts out like like this. It says this: "For we know." That if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. I, I want, you know, I, I don't want to be the first one to tell you this, but if you didn't know this, I'm going to be the first one to tell you this. Your body is thought of as a tent. Uh, many of us think uh, our bodies are awesome and powerful and can do much. I want to say your body is temporary. <laughs> it's a tent. Uh, how many of you like sleeping in tents? Like sleeping in tents? That's a majority. Um, uh, tent. How many have slept in tents before? Right. Yeah, and that's why you didn't raise your hand before, right? You know. How many of you? We we had a lady in the church who uh, uh, she's since passed away, but she lived in a tent for years. Uh, her family was poor. Uh, they were down in Bakersfield, and uh, they'd fallen on hard times, and they, they lived in a tent. And you know what? She didn't want to go in a tent anymore. She always wanted to go to hotels, right? Nice ones. <laughs> because she was done with it. She was over it, right? I, I want to tell you that this body that we're so used to, that we even identify sometimes as our person, isn't our person, it's just a temporary thing. It's a tent. And so uh, he says this. He says, the earthly tent, our home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house uh, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. I, I'm glad no one amen right there. But uh, uh, sometimes we groan, longing to be put in our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, uh, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in the tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, uh, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Uh, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. Why? Uh, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. At your death, at your death, uh, your person, uh, different words can be used, your person is separated from the tent, okay? Separated from the tent. And so as described by Paul, uh, he comes he, he comes and shares with us that in, in Thessalonians, as the Lord returns, he will resurrect our body and we will have a new body. OK, um, a, as we look at this passage here this morning, we see this uh, verse 16 for the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, okay? The, the physical body will rise first. I know some of you struggle with that, with cremation or, 
with just the decay of the body. I want to tell you that the Lord can do all those things. Don't worry about, uh, you know, he, he made us out of dust before. He can, you know, he can pull all these things together. Don't worry. He's giving us not the details. Some of us, uh, some of you are detailed people. You know who you are, right? You got to know everything. You, you want to know everything. You want to know how it works. And you will be sorely disappointed uh, about this time because we get some of the details uh, enough that we can gain the confidence uh, that comes from the Lord. So anyways, as we look at this, uh, he, he gives us uh, a glimpse that the, as the Lord returns, he, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then what? Verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Okay? Do you get this picture? The Lord returns, resurrected bodies, resurrected bodies of those who have uh, passed on, okay? And they're reunited, they're reunited, and as they come together, what happens? What happens? Those who are alive will be gathered together with those who have passed on with the Lord, okay? So you get this picture, and where that will happen in the air, in the air. Um, so, so you get this picture for both groups that we have discussed, those who have passed away and those who are alive who have trusted in Christ. What happens in this end time? They both come together in the air and are with the Lord. Um, all this to say this, and, and I, I mean, when I read this, my heart leaps. And I hope yours does as well. In verse 17, look down at it. It says, Then we are who are alive, who are left, being caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then it says this, And so we will always be with the Lord. Always. And so we will always be with the Lord. You say, I don't get it. I don't get everything. You don't need to get everything. Know, know where this is all ending up in the Lord. Where, where does it all end up? With those who have trusted in Christ, whether having passed away before or who are alive at His coming, it says this, that we will be reunited with the Lord and we will always be with Him. Always. We don't have to fear. Uh, you, did you see that? The surprise box today? Uh, the Lord put a little, you know. We don't have to worry about the sand becoming few grains. In fact, we should be cheering. We should be shaking that thing. Can't we hurry this thing up somehow? Why? Because w what happens in the end is that we will be with the Lord always, forever. These words are, are meant uh, as an encouragement. We, we who are alive will be caught up together with those who have passed on to meet the Lord in the air. The result, the result in verse 17 is that we will always be with the Lord. Always. Uh, it, it seems uh, redundant to say this, but it says this in verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. <laughs> Of course, it's an encouragement. And, and, and what I believe Paul's writing as God would have him write is this. 
Um, some of you get all worked up about things. Just you. I never get worked up about anything. Okay. Some of you get all bent out of shape and uh, can't find your tools. Can't find your glasses. Glasses are a tough one because if you can't see and you can't find your glasses, it's like, how are you going to see them to find them? Anyways, it's good to have friends and family around. Um, we get bent out of shape about many things. We we don't like it when uh, schedules have changed and they didn't fit into my schedule. We don't like it when we have aches and pains. We don't like it when we've told people to do things and they don't come through. We don't like it. And there's a sense of stress and bother that comes to our life. But but what about this message? What about this message that I've just shared with you? I want to tell you, if you apply this message to your problems, uh, it will give you a different perspective on what's bothering you today. Uh, and and so as Paul shares this, I believe the conclusion go, goes like this. Tell it to one another. In the, in, the, in the midst of the chaos of this life, tell it to one another. Uh, in the midst of complaining and grumbling, tell it to one another. Why? Because it, it will give us perspective that this life is short. And that what is coming, the, the exit strategy, what is the end? It's glorious. It's glorious because of the Lord's plan, but it's also glorious for me. Why? Because I get to enjoy what the Lord has prepared for me. I just say it this way. Tell it and cling to it. Uh, tell it to one another, but also tell it to yourself. Some, many, some of us need to talk more to ourselves, right? Uh, coach ourselves through it. Um, we know the right answer, so apply it. To, cling to it. Tell it to one another, but tell it to ourselves as well. This morning I have four takeaways. I know I usually have three, but I liked all four of them. So I. Anyways, uh, first one is this. First takeaway is this. Knowing the end gives us hope and grief. Knowing the end gives us hope and grief. Um, some of you have gone through super intense days of grief. Like, it's super intense. And... Uh, we struggle in a day and, and, and when it's super intense, I want to tell you, uh, think about the end. Think about the end. The, the day uh, grief is grief. It's it's ugly. It's hurtful. It's it's hard. But to know the end will give you encouragement for this day. It'll be able to get, bring you hope in the midst of grief. So knowing the end gives hope and grief. Secondly, uh, those who sleep and those who are alive have the same destination, the same destination, always to be with the Lord. Um, I, I think some of us, uh, you know, some of you are drivers. And what I mean by drivers is like you like to be in the driver's seat, hands on the wheel. Uh, some of you have struggled in your marriage with this. Who gets to drive? And there's like, you know arguments whose car and this and that and, you know i want to tell you uh, some of you like to drive because you like to be in charge of where it's going right i want to tell you you're not in charge on this deal okay but know this know this you can be excited from the back seat okay you can be excited why because whether you're to pass away in this life or whether the lord would return in your lifetime the destination is the same and it's to always be with the Lord. Wonderful news. Wonderful news. 
Thirdly, um, courage and love for God comes from knowing the end. Courage and love for God comes from knowing the end. You've got to know the end. You've got to know the end. Uh, some of you say, I can't make it through the day. If you can't make it through the day, you probably haven't thought enough about the end. Because if you know the end, you can make it through any day. You, you can make it through any day. I, I'm not uh, minimizing the difficulty of your life. I'm minimizing all the events of this life compared to the destination, the home that He has prepared for us. I want to tell you that courage and love for God, it, it, it should change us today. There's this sense of the, the gift that He has given us and prepared for us and is awaiting us is so great that it should thrill our hearts with courage and love for God today. It should change us today. And then a similar way of saying the last uh, point and takeaway I have for you this morning is your destination should instruct your moments. Your destination should instruct your moments. Uh, what I mean by that is this, that our day is filled with moments. Little things that we do, little thoughts that we have, little uh, tasks that we go about. And we sometimes get it backwards, right? We see those tasks, those events, those things that we do as everything. And I want to tell you, uh, compared to our destination, they're nothing, okay? But what should happen, what should happen for us is our destination should instruct what we do and don't do and how we do it. It should give us the confidence and courage, but also the joy of knowing that these little things that I do today are all put in eternal perspective because of the destination, the exit that I will one day have. Either uh, exit from this life by death or as the Lord returns and I'm one of those ones that are alive at his returning and caught up with those others that have passed away. And that we would be with the Lord forever. I hope this is encouragement to you. And I hope that as we talk with one another, we can encourage one another. That we can make it. Uh, not because the day is easy, but because our destination is worth it. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for your kindness, your mercy. Thank you for uh, this group here today. And I pray that they're encouraged knowing that because of your son Jesus, what he did on the cross what he did uh, in his resurrection, that we just sleep and that we are uh, part of uh, his family, not just his family for a moment, not just for a time, but forever. God, help us to be encouraged, too, to know that to be absent from the body is to be present with you, that we don't need to fear death, uh, knowing that uh, at that moment in time, we will be with you. There won't be a sense of loss and fear. It will be a sense of uh, sweet communion, not just for a moment, but forever. God, uh, encourage us with these words, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.